there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Your Politics podcast from RTE News. Today we are joined by the Fianna Fáil TD Barry Cowan, as well as our political correspondent Paul Cunningham. Welcome. So, Thank it's, you. it's the last day of term. Everyone's in good form, smiles D-mob. across the table here, you know. D-mob. Yeah, holidays, holidays coming up, you know, bit of time off for politicians, right Barry? Some time off, uh, we just won't be here. We'll That's be, so you we'll need be, to move we'll, closer to that microphone. We'll be doing our, our work in our constituency and maintaining our service to those that give us the privilege to be in such a position. But yeah, we will obviously take some time out. The family will take some holidays. Any particular and plans enjoy yourself? the summer. Uh, I hope to get away in August. Um to Spain for, Are you for, a bit for a worried about the heat? You know, yeah, you would be a bit nervous of the heat, but should we get a dry run here next week, I believe? Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring it on. My 16-year-old um, son is in Dublin Airport as we speak, just about to head off to Malaga. So we were just looking at those sizzling temperatures, yeah. packing them off with a factor 100. <laughs> <laughs> Protect him, exactly. So just on to more serious stuff, I suppose, Barry. Earlier this week, the government had a very secure majority, probably did even better than had been expected. But today, we've got yet another poll in a newspaper confirming that Sinn Féin are surging ahead. The government is slumping. Why are they doing so badly? And how bad can it get for Fianna Fáil? Well, in the first instance, you can't be, you know, you can't govern with opinion polls necessarily in mind and elections normally come around once every five years but you can't ignore them either and you have to take note of them you have to be conscious of them uh, from our perspective our, dis- our distinctiveness within government is obviously not shining through that's reflected in the polls uh, and that's something that has to be addressed um, you know it's been government is a busy um, job of hand um, the government has been hit with the pandemic, it's been hit with the war in Ukraine, it's dealing with Brexit, it's dealing with the protocol, uh, all of which combine to have uh, a huge impact on supply chains and ultimately uh, cost of living pressures increase at a pace that we never envisaged. And, you know, it's, 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 you it's a difficult distinctiveness issue. distinctiveness there, uh, the distinctiveness of Fianna Fáil, and this seems to be a recurring theme for you and your colleagues, this question of Fianna Fáil identity within the coalition. Or even more with the actual voting public, that question, what is it that Fianna Fáil stands for? Or what makes you unique? Yeah, what's your mission? What's your vision? What's your priorities? What sets you apart and gives you an identity that people can identify with and uh, that can rally around based on your commitments in relation to uh, the, the policies, the priorities so the uh, that matter? Well, you take housing... You know, the priorities I would see is housing, childcare, health, regional development, unification. The programme for government, you know, in relation to housing, has seen record investment in, 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 in housing. New schemes like the one announced today to try and encourage the use of derelict buildings, get them back into use and to allow more people to qualify for grant aid to make them habitable. But still supply remains a challenge. I believe the supply is curtailed by the whole planning system. Um, we have, the Minister has asked the Attorney General to bring forward suggestions 
as to how that Planning and Development Act can be improved, and that will be brought forward in September, rather be a bit more prescriptive, but on, for example, a period to make a decision rather than the... As presently, you've seen in the past, Land B in Kilkenny, you've seen a, a meat factory in my own constituency take three, four, and five years for a decision ultimately be, to be made and for the process to come to a conclusion. You know, we're elected to enact policy and to, to, or to, to, to formulate policy and then enact it in government. We're not dependent on an attorney general yeah. to, to advise us. We instruct him what to do and that's why There's I, been a I, lot I, of talk about see. this Fianna Fáil meeting last week and you were one of the organisers. I wouldn't say I was necessarily one of the organisers, no. But okay, look, you've been named as one of yeah. the organisers. You were there. I was interested in the meeting taking exactly. place. Exactly. Well, you know, as what's the, the rationale for that? Why, why do you need that meeting of backbenchers, not the ministers? There seems to be, yeah, again, a disconnect between like the said, backbenchers no, and the senior I, I leadership. You know, I wouldn't call it a disconnect. Ministers are busy by their nature, as I said. Government is a busy place to be. And there isn't enough time or space or, 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 or preparation to ensure uh, that people's feelings, that people's uh, issues or that policy priorities that they might have are aired effectively and properly. That's a, a feeling. So how do you address that? You, you bring, a, you know, unity of that group, we'll say, of backbenchers. Their strength is in their unity. Their strength is in uh, solid preparation in order to ensure that they can be more effective. And they, in turn, want to instruct our ministers, our government, and our party to be much more effective, much more distinctive, as I said. You know, housing has provisions within, you know, each, each of the priority committee, Is that a standing committee now um, there's going to be more meetings to ensure that the backbenchers have a voice? And if so, when's the next meeting going to be? I think there was a feeling amongst uh, those that attended. And, the, you know, it was in our party rooms. It was well known to everybody that the meeting was taking place. There was nothing underhanded about it. There was nothing behind the door about it. And I think the Taoiseach and others have responded appropriately when they said they, they, they welcome uh, the engagement and the challenge that it will present to him and his colleagues and to the, to the party on a wider perspective. So yes, it will begin to crystallise what we believe the priorities are that can distinguish Fianna Fáil as a party, can distinguish its mission, its vision, its so identity, and its are not, priorities. are not doing that, simply. That the leader, Micheál no, Martin, the Taoiseach, hasn't <laughs> carved out that no, I, I, clear role for Fianna Fáil. You never have enough time to try and ex explain this in the manner in which it deserves to be. As I said to you earlier, there is adequate provision within the programme for government in relation to housing, but there is still something part of the jigsaw needs to be, needs to be uh, put in place. It's not provided in the, in, in, in the Programme for Government. It must be distinctive to Fianna Fáil, and that's prescriptive change to the Planning and Development Act. In relation to childcare, the Programme for, for Government would increase the funding as the next budget, I'm sure, will do in relation to the providers. But from my perspective and many others within the party, we believe that we've, we've to make a bold move that was made in the 60s by O'Malley, and if you recognise and appreciate, as the professionals do, that preschool and childcare provision is as formative and as important as any other aspect of the education system right up to, 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 to uh, college and so forth, well, then the state must take an active participation role in delivering that. And that's a move that I think we should encourage. And I think the, 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 the stakeholders and everybody associated with the provision of that service need to be brought in and a process begun by which we end up being the provider of that uh, service. Because the, 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 the milestone it is around Families Next is far mm. too great for us 
to deal with it in the way we have in recent years, as 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 well intended as that okay. is. In relation to health, you know, we, we work towards you know the program for government talks about Slauncher Care and efforts to move in that direction on, a, on an annual basis. I personally think, and others may think so also, and it's something we want to initiate debate within our party, which would split the Department of Health in two, where you have acute services and you have community services. And if we're, uh, you know, as, as, as strong and as committed as we want to be in relation to community services and facilities, well, then we need a dedicated department okay. uh, over, over within health, if you like. The regional development. I just want to bring in Paul for yeah. a second, and I, I do appreciate you want to yeah. set out, and I think you've set out very clearly there the priorities as you see it for Fianna Fáil mm. in government. Paul, our, Paul Cunningham, our political correspondent, what's your sense of the mood in Fianna Fáil within government? How, how, how do the, the TDs that you speak to and senators feel they're performing? Well, Fianna Fáil always wants to be in government. It views itself as a party which takes decisions, and that's the place that it wants to be. I think what was interesting, um, <clears throat> excuse me, out of the meeting which um, Barry attended was that at times there was sort of different interpretations of what the meeting was. Um, had it been, you know, there were people there who were very supportive of the meeting. There were others who came a little bit to watch. There was some suggestion, could this be something in relation to the leadership, the beginning of a caucus in which Fianna Fáil was not just looking at a policy issue, but also a leadership issue. How is it going to change and how is it going to manage that change? And that's why I was interested from Barry's perspective is this committee now going to be a standing committee? Um, how is it going to uh, be viewed? What does it view its you know, um, yeah, it's, it's subject about, is going to be? And I think from Fianna Fáil's point of view, um, it's absolutely clear, talking to the members on a regular basis, day in and day out, they're looking at those opinion polls, which you mentioned, the Irish Times, the latest one today. They are concerned at the surge in Sinn Féin, which they believe does have an identity, whether they agree with it or not, is another thing. And what they want to try and do is put themselves in the best possible position to be able to counteract it. And Barry, there is a lot of focus on the leadership. You're on record as saying that you don't think there should be a heave against Michal Martin, that there's going to be a smooth transition to Fine Gael in December. But you do expect a timetable for a transition to another leader before the next election. What are you looking for there? Well, you know, to get back to where I was. <laughs> <laughs> You're still setting out the First, priorities. Yeah. Um, but no, look, a lot of the meeting too is that we need to be a bit more assertive, more more chief than chairman, um, both the Taoiseach, you know, and we're seen, it would appear, as part of an entourage rather than leading an entourage. Mm. And again, you take a situation that arose in my own constituency, and I believe in many others in recent times, in relation to the DESH status for schools. I know in, in two towns in Offaly, in both Clara and Edenderry, two primary schools and a secondary school, two out of the three have DESH status, the other doesn't. Uh, you know, you, it's inexplicable for me or any representative to try to explain the logic of that to parents, to staff, and to the community at large, that, you know, a, a daughter is more disadvantaged than a mm -hmm. son, a brother is more disadvantaged than a, than a sister. So if you're in power, in government, in power, addressing uh, failures on the part of the service that's been provided, will you change it? You know, you don't, you know, somebody says to me, oh, the logarithm is such that having inputted the data, this is what came out. Well, you change the logarithm. Yeah. If you're in power to and do And Fianna Fáil, of course, effective. has the education ministry, so. Yes. And, you know, there's that issue. There's local authorities being told that they can increase their local discretion in relation to one stage approval of small developments increased under the last government but at our insistence from two to six million. Yeah. But local authorities saying, for example, oh, we're not doing that because 
the, the, in, in the case of unforeseen costs that emerge after a contract is committed to, that they are on the hook for it. And I'm saying, who's on the hook for it? Oh, we are, as a local authority. No, you're not. The taxpayer is on the hook, and the taxpayer, uh, we're answerable to the taxpayer. We went to the doors, won the right to be in government, to enact the policies we, we espoused, and it's their job to implement them. We can't sit idly by, especially in government, as you say, when we expect to be able to do things, to allow that to be the case. So that's something that has crept in. Mm. You've got to take, take that. And well, in, in this instance, use your, the power you have within government to affect change that reflects those that you represent. But the government is nearly halfway through and there is a lot of focus on December and what's going to come after. What are you expecting to happen in the party? What are you calling for oh, look, in terms the of the leadership? The government provides for the changeover of the Taoiseach's office from the Fianna Fáil leader to the Fianna Gael leader. That will happen as is provided for and we all signed up to that agreement and to that programme and we accept and, and, and acknowledge that and there'll be no, you know, there won't be any uh, issue with that at all. But there'll uh, be a focus th- on your own a, leader. These are, these are other issues uh, that we, as I said, have to address not only for ourselves and for our own futures individually, but in order to be in a position that you're, when you're going to a door, that you have something that is clearly identifiable as Fianna Fáil, that's mm-hmm. clearly identifiable as something you want to win more support to enact and get greater sense or strength in numbers in, in government at the next election. Because as Paul said, it's imperative, I think, uh, rather than sitting back and allowing what seems inevitable in some people's eyes that you have a left-wing populist government about to enter office that's going to tax people to the hilt in order to meet the demands that they've placed upon themselves by virtue of the commitments that they're making every week of the year in this doll. So it's imperative that we have alternatives, it's imperative that we have a centrist uh, party that can uh, have real concrete initiatives that can be effective but are realistic at the same time. Who do you think then should lead Fianna Fáil into the next election? Because as as I said... That's a a matter for the Fianna Fáil parliamentary party. And as it stands, Micheál Martin has this majority support and I'm a Democrat the same as all the rest of the members of the party. But you don't expect him to lead the party into the next election. In fact, you've talked about a timetable. You want an orderly transition. Yeah, but that won't be for me to decide. That might be for me to contribute to uh, when, when and if the time comes to do so. And I'm sure there might well be a discussion about that before the changeover, at the time of the changeover. But as I said, it's not my prerogative, it's not my right, uh, but it is that of the combined parliamentary party to discuss, which I expect they will and would would expect they will. Paul, would you expect some upheaval in the party as we approach that December date? Obviously, Barry is saying they all accept the transition, but it does renew the focus, I think, on Micheál Martin's leadership of the party. But there was a more of a fractious relationship between um, Micheál Martin and his backbenchers last year, and then things settled down. And I don't see um, that changing between now and December. I think it's logical. I think it's predictable. I think that once uh, Micheál Martin does become Tánaiste and we head into uh, 2023, that there has to be that question asked. And that's something that Micheál Martin, the first instance, has to answer himself. No leader wants to say, I'm going to go in six months. Like Alex Ferguson, Manchester United, we all know what happens. Your authority ebbs away. So there has to be some system. And I think it would be better coming from him even if it was to say, I am staying and I'm staying to the general election, I'm fighting the way through, rather than 
not saying anything. It's better coming from the top. But obviously, individual backbenchers will have their own determination. And somewhere like that new caucus, that new standing committee where backbenchers are being represented, that's something every journalist is going to be watching because I think Barry's right. There was an agreement that they felt this was a good thing, that they're going to go for it again. And it's inevitable that close you get to December, into December, just after December, that that issue of leadership is going to come to the fore. And what about your own prospects, Barry? You had a short stint as a cabinet minister. Would you expect to be back in when there's there's going to have to be a, some sort of mini reshuffle? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. Um, why know, why I, do you doubt it? Well, look, you, 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 no matter who you are or what you are, you always want to improve uh, your standing. You always want to be a bit to be more effective than if possible at all. Look, if that happens, well and good. If it doesn't, it won't be the end of the world. I have a, I have a duty to those that elected me, elected me to to represent them without being hung up about my own future. But I am very uh, committed to ensuring that the that Fianna Fáil's offering uh, is one that people identify with, and they don't at present. And it's imperative that we address that. And I see this caucus, as you call it, as a means to help achieve that goal. And uh, I'll be working strongly uh, and vehemently with the ambition to realise that goal. And at the time of your departure from Cabinet, you were sacked, essentially, by yeah. the leader after just 17 days. Yeah. And that was because of those revelations about your drink-driving ban mm-hmm. in 2016. There was other revelations that you may have tried to evade a Garda. But you said you were expecting that there would be some sort of vindication from a GSOC investigation. Where does that stand? Yeah, that's ongoing. It's coming to a, a conclusion in the coming weeks uh, if not Has months, it been I concluded, do you think? Because we well, heard earlier this year was imminent. Yeah, I, I still believe it's imminent. Um, you know, and, and, and that will clarify matters that I didn't believe could be clarified effectively from my perspective back then. Um, and I left it to the professionals and those qualified to investigate such matters and those to make a, an independent assessment and uh, report on the matter, which they will do, rather than uh, what I felt was, um, you know, um, the drama that would have been involved by amateur lawyers and so forth in, in the chamber. And, and that, look, that, that was my decision. Um, I'm happy I made that decision. I was adamant that that process be allowed to be concluded for that to be the case. The Taoiseach took a different view. Uh, you could, as is he, his he right. asked you to go back yeah, into the door. As is his right. And, um, you know, ultimately... He had the power and he, he wielded the power as he saw fit and I have to accept that and I do accept that. Uh, the investigation's I, taking a really long time though, isn't it? I mean, in fairness, this was July 2020 when this all is. emerged. Of course it is. Right? Yeah. I, I, nobody, no more than myself, would rather it was over a long time because I just want to put it behind me. I'm not hung up on it. I don't want, you know, I don't, you know I'm not a victim here, uh, but I want clarification and, and just put it in the public domain and move on. You know, it's, it's not something I want to beat somebody up with. Mm. Uh, when it when it's brought out in the public domain with that report. So what about turf wars? Did you get one up in the Green Party? Well, look, I'm just glad to see that common sense eventually prevailed. Um, as I said all along, you know, it's a it's it's a it's a dying practice, and it's one which will die its own death organically over time. Uh, many new alternatives are emerging and have emerged and will emerge, but yet there was and is a cohort of vulnerable households that are still dependent uh, on the use of turf. Um, and until such time as we have adequate response from government in the form of a specific heat retrofit for 
uh, those who are dependent on solid fuels, well, well, then it will be speeded up. But in the meantime, the existing practices, the historic practices associated with cutting, whether you own it or you don't, but that people have the opportunity to avail of a supply within their own communities, that remains the case. And thankfully it does. And it was a it was a, a row that didn't have to take place. Was it misportrayed in some instances in the sense that Eamon Ryan always seemed to be pushing for the Green Party leader uh, a ban on the commercial sale of turf? He always said that people could gift or sell it to their neighbours, but it seemed to get out there as an outright ban yeah, on see, turf. Was, was it misrepresented? There was, there was a, a slight misunderstanding. You see, you know, many people either own a plot or have turbary rights and they were never in danger according to the response that he gave to Brendan Griffin back then. But he failed to distinguish the fact that many people who don't have that facility or don't have that right have to buy it. And they buy it from respected uh, uh, and well-known providers or cutters in their own uh, communities. And there was no clarity around their that option remaining open to them, which wasn't the case under that recommendation. And that had to be put right, and thankfully it has been put right. One thing on that, I mean, obviously Eamon Ryan also says this isn't about turf, this is about air quality, people are dying as a result of it, and that was his motivation and directive. But my actual question to you, Barry, was just, we were talking earlier on in the podcast about the backbenchers flexing their muscle. Was this an example of backbenchers collectively, whatever clearinghouse had gone on between the Taoiseach, the Taunishta and Minister Ryan, this was backbenchers saying... Uh, no, we're not happy with it. It's not going to happen. And is this something we should be expecting to happen over the next three years if the coalition survives yeah, that long? You know, if, if the process by which you arrive at that decision was an inclusive one, what 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 happened wouldn't have happened. Right. I don't think Eamon Ryan understood the situation that exists in many communities, predominantly in my own constituency and places like it around the country. And he didn't have the understanding that was necessary to ensure that those recommendations were wide of the mark. Where was Michael Martin and Leo Veradkar in that? Well, I mean, this hadn't been brought to them. This was a response to a PQ that was put down by Brendan Griffin where he talked about what he wanted to bring forward in September and that would include provisions for the banning of sale of turf on a commercial basis and that blew the whole thing up in the air. And then when when you drill down into it, he had failed to clarify, he had failed to provide for those scenarios whereby households who don't have the benefit of owning a plot, that don't have the benefit of having a turbary right, but want to continue the option of purchasing from yeah. s- suppliers in their own communities, they didn't know where they stood. So that but had on, to be clarified. But on and, the backbench issue. Sorry? On the backbench issue, we can expect more of the same. Well, look, if, if that happened again, I wouldn't sit idly by and allow it to happen, no. But I mean, they've learned their lesson, I'm sure, too, that they've got to have internal uh, clearinghouse yeah. before How, that becomes reality. What do you mean reality. that you wouldn't sit idly by? Well, I wouldn't allow the likes of that happen the way it did. And I would have hoped we've indicated and shown uh, how that can be corrected. And maybe it could won't happen Could you see yourself voting the against the government on something like that? No, no. Um, I could see myself using that strength of unity to ensure uh, that the likes of it doesn't happen. I I, I recognise the value of um, stability, I recognise the value of the programme for government and its commitment across a wide range of areas that takes five years to implement or try to implement, assuming the finances provide and allow for it. 
And uh, we can't be expected to be running our country on a on a case by case basis, on a weekly basis, or a monthly basis, or whatever. Uh, the time when mistakes such as mm. that are made, no, not at all. And just one more question: um, How is your brother doing? The former Taoiseach uh, Brian Cowan. Brother is doing very well, thank you. Yeah, he, he's continuing to recover, continuing to uh, very, very engaged. Uh, is he following the political out in his community, ups and following, downs? The, following the, the the sporting endeavours of of Offaly, and um, of course, watching uh, watching what's going on politically. Yeah, what, what does he, he think of the fortunes of Fianna Fáil in this government? Oh, he thinks it has every every uh, prospect of recovery, every prospect of recognising its failings, every prospect of putting those right and ensuring that it can resonate with the public in relation to the issues that matter to them and get out there and fight for them and win support and get yourself in a position of strength and show that nobody's going to sit back and allow what many call the inevitability of a left-wing populist government taking charge. Okay, very good. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Your Politics podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. 